This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. You're tuned in to Tapped Out. Hosted by Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine, only on the BetQL Network. Welcome in to Tapped Out. Appreciate you checking us out on the BetQL Network, YouTube, the Odyssey app. However you get us, we love you. That's my co-host, Brendan Tobin, produced, as always, by Jake Noaker. And I am merely the sports machine, Sean Levine. And off the top, let's welcome in friend of the show. He is Eric Richter, because I want to hear your voice before I hear BT's. Dude, Alexa Grasso retained her belt after taking out Shevchenko last Saturday night. Before we get too far into it, do you agree with the decision? No, I had Shevchenko, I had Shevchenko up three. Um, yeah, I thought that was a bad a bad decision. The 10-8 is really the problem there. It seemed like the judges had it uh, right until round five. And you, you got Dana calling out all the judges. Kind of love to see that sometimes. You know, I, Judging's been a problem for a long time. And I've had some back and forth with some people about judging in MMA. You know, I, I got issues with judges in MMA. It almost kind of ruins the sport sometimes. So, you know, I think that there needs to be something done. I, I think that there's a lot of different ways you could do it. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen here. But, um, you know, everyone's going to the training. Uh, was it on Wednesday? So hopefully that uh, makes it better. But judging is a problem. No doubt about it. Judging is a problem. It's, uh, it's also odd, Eric. Like, we've seen judges that don't see something or see a fight a completely different way. But – to just get something so off like that is just odd. Like to, to score something like that. Ten eights are always just an odd thing in general, but I mean, I think we all realize what they don't look like. And that's, and that's, that's certainly <laughs> that. So I think that's, that's what makes this so strange. We've seen bad calls before, but to see it like this, it's almost like was something up here. Is there fishiness going on? Cause I just don't understand what the hell happened. You're not the only one to say that, too, to be honest. Um, I always try to veer on the other side of that. Incompetence over, um, you know, con- like over, you know, evil intentions, poor intentions. I usually just try to go the incompetence route. Could be wrong. Um, could be, you know, a mistake on my end. But that's, yeah, I mean, that's a major problem, right? Obviously, if, uh, you know, there's uh, some fishiness going on. So hopefully not. I would hope not. And I would guess not. But anything's possible. What, what can we do about this? Like every single time we talk about the judges, open scoring, I guess, becomes a question. Like, is there a solution? So I wrote an article about this at the New York Post, like kind of when I first started. It was probably like uh, June, July of uh, 2021, 2022. Um, and I wrote an article about Verdict MMA. Verdict MMA is a, uh, it's an app that does um, like live judges scoring and, um, they have a lot of innovative ways that they go about, you know, trying to get, you know, the the right scores. Now, having public judges where, like, you, me, and, you know, me, me Sean, BT, and uh, Jake are, are doing the four judges scorecards, you know, if the, the problem with that is, is, you know, the most popular fighter is going to get the benefit of the doubt in certain situations. So um, Verdict came out with one idea where it was, like, the top judges scores – um, the, the top people that they have uh, scoring the fight in terms of like most accurate um, and things like that, they have their own little like section and it's called like the black belt scoring. I liked that. I thought that was a good idea. I wrote about it. Didn't get a ton of love. got a lot of pushback saying that verdict was a game. Um, you know, some people didn't really like that idea and you know, that's fine. I, I think it's something, I don't know if it's the answer, but I think it's an answer. Uh, it's, you know, it's potential. It could be an answer. And I mean, that is an answer, but it could be an answer um, for something that, you know, is a big problem in MMA right now. This, this, this stinks, you know? Yeah, it stinks. I mean, cause honestly for a couple reasons, you know, the, the issue with people like us is uh, gambling. So like that's, yeah. that's, you know, that's, that's one issue when you put it into the hands of the public, yeah. but I do think there has to be some kind of a level like, you know, in the NBA, they do a two minute report. It doesn't really help anything, but it does feel like there's at least some accountability record of it. Um, right. 
but we all know who the you know i think the thing that just gets frustrated with it and this is this this happens in, in all leagues is like it seems like they cycle through the same people all the time for these big fights and um, I don't yep. know if there's any really any consequences for for this type of stuff, but it's a great from, job. Uh, it's a great yeah. gig. There's like no accountability for it, and you get to sit yeah. octagon side no. for fights. From the yeah, standpoint of, I know they don't uh, get paid. yeah, they don't get paid much, but I mean, like like Sean said, you're probably yeah. getting you know twenty thousand dollars seats for free, and you're getting uh, some some money that night, and you get hobnobbed. Um, from the standpoint of this rivalry now, Dana is leaning towards Shevchenko and, and, and Alexa running back. I feel like that's the right decision. Uh, how do you think this goes into a trilogy? Like, do you think this messes with Valentina in any way, just because of how that last round played out, knowing how she lost the first fight? Um, I just feel like that can weigh on you a little bit. Does she maybe go a little bit crazier and, and trying to get a finish right. or something like that? Like, do you think this can have an effect on a fighter because of how weird a result this is? It definitely could. Um, the way I had it scored was Shevchenko um, lost one of the early rounds and then lost at the end. So, and then she also, you know, she got choked out in the first fight. So I don't necessarily like. I don't know what the the look ahead line is. I haven't looked. I don't know if there is one. Um, I would venture to guess that it's close to a pick'em. Not only that, I would venture to guess that I would actually probably favor Grasso. She, I would bet Grasso if she was a dog. How about that? Um, Shevchenko, I didn't love how she looked. I think she was kind of pointing her way to victory in the middle rounds there. While I thought Grasso was a little bit more damaging as a fighter, I also don't think that she's a fish on the mat by any means. Obviously, she took her on the first fight, but I like her grappling upside. Like Shevchenko, if she's getting pieced up on the feet, a lot of times she can go to her grappling. Uh, we've seen her do that in the past. Um, I don't see that as a pathway for her. So, in the I, look, I, I'm kind of like off of these trilogies I, I i don't need to see the same matchups over and over like i'd like for more fresh matchups if i was the matchmaker obviously i'm not um but when they if and when they do fight it sounds like when they do fight um i would bet alexa grasso as a dog again i really would um i feel pretty confident that she's the fresher fighter shashank is a little bit older um yeah that, that's where i'm at Catching up with our boy Eric Richter of the New York Post here on Tapped Out. While we're talking about did they actually win the fight, Jack Della Maddalena uh, split decision over Kevin Holland. Now, I was seeing it with my gambling eyes because I had a bunch of money dumped on Kevin Holland at underdog money at plus 150 at bet MGM. It was too good to be true. Who do you think won that fight? I had Jack, and I didn't even think it was a split, uh, to be honest with you. I thought Fair Jack enough. should have won unanimously. I had Holland as a bet as well. Um, you know, I saw the line. I was like, plus 120. We don't know how good Jack is. Holland's got is a way bigger fighter, way bigger for the division. Um, you know, how many times have we seen Holland get manhandled at welterweight? I mean, it hasn't really happened unless it's a grappler. So the thought there was on Kevin Holland, I thought was right, especially at dog odds. But I think Jack is a really, really technically sound striker. Um, I actually think he could be a problem in the division going forward. Obviously, some of the... Uh, the grapplers um, in the division might give him a hard time. But, I mean, overall, I thought Jack looked pretty good. And I've talked about it with some people. I don't think that that should have been a split decision. I actually thought he won unanimously. And, I, you know, I thought 29-28 unanimous decision should have been should have been fine. I have a hard time seeing Kevin Holland on the scorecard, I'll be honest with you. And I had a I had a Holland bet. So I always try to look at it, you know, with my blinders on. But sometimes it's tough. <clears throat> No, I agree with you. I thought that uh, I thought Jack uh, deserved that nod. What do you think is the comparison for Kevin Holland? Because you know he is he's he's such a busy fighter. I don't know if he's ever good enough to be champion. He seems like he has the yeah. tools. Like he's almost kind of like the modern day like Cerrone or Masvidal. Where Nate Diaz, was, you know. my guy. This is autographed by Cerrone, my guy. Yeah, um, I, I don't know, no. but like I, I think he's very talented. Maybe he could get on a hot run, but it always feels like the guys who are just a little technically better will always get him. Yeah, I mean, you could even go like a kind of like Nate Diaz a little bit, where he's like, I'm trying to think of like another fighter that's unapologetically stupid in the octagon. <laughs> like he is down. Like he, like he's the guy who gets takedowns on Stephen Thompson and then gets up and then gets knocked out. Like you had an advantageous position. You take it. This is MMA. Like you're not. This isn't WWE where you're gonna win anyway. It's not how this works. Um, 
you know, I Cowboys the only one that I really had in my head where I was just like, yeah, this is about right. Um, maybe like an Anthony Pettis too, but obviously way bigger. Um, you know, he's got the Kung Fu style a little bit, the, the weird karate stand up. Yeah, I'll go. Yeah, Kevin Holland and Cowboys, the closest I got. I mean, I look at the rankings now and I'm like, I don't even see that many winnable fights for him in this weight class. <laughs> you know, it's there's, basically there's what a we're saying is if, if, if the guy would fight a little bit smarter, he'd have a couple of more wins. But damn it, those guys are really fun to watch. Everyone that you just mentioned. Speaking of fun to yeah. watch, Eric, how about Saturday night's main event? Rafael Faziv versus Matisse Gamrot. Right now, Bet MGM. You get Gamrod at underdog money plus 130, which is the only reason that I'm laying down a little bread on him. This seems like a pick em fight to me. Who you got? Yeah, Fiziev uh, was a minus 250 favorite against Justin Gaethje last time. Mm. Can we just wow. stop? Fiziev <laughs> <Think about> <laughs> was minus 250 against Justin Gaethje. It was a great and fight. Got a great fight. He got the brake speed off of him in that fight. Didn't, he? Uh, Didn't he? That was tough. Like his face, you know, if you look at the Justin Gaethje, the fight, the faces of his opponents after he fights them, oh my God, everyone's face is mangled. That guy is the most violent man in MMA. Back to Fazeev. I like his um, technical striking. Um, I don't like his volume, which is a problem. Um, his volume's not very good. Doesn't really have that killer instinct, which is a problem. He's been to a lot of decisions. Um, so that's my issue with Fazeev. Uh, and I understand the odds there. Um, over at MGM where he's minus 160. Um, it's tough. Gamrot's a hard guy to trust too because, you know, he's kind of, he's got, he's got, he's very chinny. Like he's, he's been knocked down multiple times here. Sarzuki and Jalen Turner. Um, I think he got knocked down by somebody else too. Um, you know, Gamrot's striking the problem. I actually like Fiziev's, um takedown defense. So I would lean favorite there and I'd probably take it by decision. Um, I haven't looked at that prop odd yet. Uh, it's probably like plus 120, plus 140, something like that. Um, yeah, I would I would venture to guess that Fiziev wins by decision in kind of a boring-ish fight, to be honest, in, in terms of like technical war. I don't think it's going to be like a battle where they're they're not going to be throw, throwing hands and Gamrot's probably going to be shooting for a lot of takedowns to try to keep himself afloat there. Um, but I lean uh, Fiziev by decision. It's actually plus 280. Um, just look. So, you know, I probably take Fizia plus two eighty, and yeah, I'm, I'm in on that. What about the uh, the co-main Bryce Mitchell, Dan Ige, uh, Bryce coming off his lo- his lone loss. I mean, it's to Tavoria. That guy looks like he might be fighting for the title real yeah. soon. So no no shame in that. But he's also got like a lot of weird stuff. It seems like going on outside the octagon in his personal life. Uh, what do you think about this uh, this matchup? Yeah, did you see the the girlfriend and the the tattoo shop and, and all that yes. stuff? That was crazy. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I actually looked up. I was able to find the girlfriend's tattoo shop on Google, and everyone left reviews on Google. And Man. her shop like a thousand one star reviews after he did that video. Wow. <laughs> I tweet I tweeted some of the funnier ones. One of them was really funny. It was like. This girl keeps putting fruit fly, uh, fruit tree tattoos on me, and like, I, give me the wrong tattoos. Don't go here. It was hilarious. Anybody that doesn't know what I'm talking about, look up Bryce Mitchell video. Anyway, um, Bryce Mitchell, solid grappler. Um, you know, he's looked pretty rough against Ilya Taporia, but Ilya Taporia seems like he's, you know, top of the food chain type of guy. I'm just trying to think of a path here. It would probably just be grapple heavy. Um, I, and you know, Ige has always had takedown defense issues. Um, so I would probably lean Mitchell here by decision. Um, I don't see any finishes here. I mean, Mitchell by by submission is probably the most likely, um, method of outcome here. But, um, you know, I thought Ige looked really good last time against Nate Landwehr and, and, you know, I, I was kind of looking at a Nate Landwehr bet, but he looked great. He's looked great the last couple times out. So, um, I'll go, yeah, I'll go Bryce Mitchell by decision there. Um, grapple. It'll be it, he's got to grapple. He's you got to grapple. You guys a very good striker. If you grapple early, you'll win. You brought up his name, so I got to do it. Nate the Train in the UFC. I love, I love, I love me some Nate Landwehr. Maybe my favorite fighter right now. Yeah, love man. That. He's like, um, he's like, oh god, he's one of the older fighters. Who's the guy that used to punch himself in the face? I just the name, the uh, the name is slipping me right now. 
Um, he's like, he's just like an old time guy. He's, he's, you know, he's going to go out there. He wants to get hit and he, he's, he's going to take your shots and bet that you can't take him, take his back, you know? Um, man, he's such a beast. I love, he's one of my favorite fighters too. I bet him against DJ and, um, there was another fight that he was a huge underdog. I forget who he fought, but he was a huge underdog against this one, one fighter and he won by knockout. It was like, like yeah. a thousand to win by knockout. It's like. I, I hit him like this sub at uh, at fourteen to one not that long ago. He's fun to watch. He's yeah. fun to bet on. And Eric Richter, our guy, is always fun to catch up with here on Tapped Out, dude. We talked so much, we didn't even get a chance to talk about the Oliveira fight coming up, the rematch against uh, Islam. We didn't get a chance to talk about John Jones and Stepe. So we'll get you on again soon. We'll break all that down. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate you guys. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back into the show with Jake Noaker and Brendan Tobin. I'm the sports machine, Sean Levine. We're talking a little fighting and making a little money here on Tapped Out. Speaking of making money, I had Raul Rosas Jr. in round one last Saturday night over Terrence Mitchell. I thought it was a pretty obvious bet. So did BetMGM at minus 200. We were right, though. Rosas ended up knocking him out, and it didn't take very long. Now that the kid is back in the winning column, how good do you think he is, and how soon do you think we're talking about him in the, I guess, title contender conversation? That's always a tough one, man. I, I do think that you know you saw in his in his fight. I was actually at that one. That was when in uh, that was in Miami, and I just think that there's a lot of growth that still has to happen there. Just from taking on guys who are just going to have like natural like man muscles compared to him. I think he's got all the talent in the world. But, you know, there's there's a reason that usually, the, you know, what is the youngest champion right now, 28? Like, it, it takes some time. It takes some time. I'm not saying it's going to take him 10 years, but I, I think that, you know, I'd be I'd be pretty stunned if, if he's got a belt by 21. That'd be really impressive. That is one thing, actually, that's kind of blown my mind over the years as a fan of this sport, that for whatever reason, in other sports, your prime, you know, 23, 24, 25. And ours, and by the way, the only reason we're talking about it is because Rosas Jr. came in as, what, a 17-year-old when he signed with the UFC. And obviously, John Jones, the youngest heavyweight champion of all time and all those things. But then you see the opposite end of the spectrum, BT, like you're talking about, where think about a guy like Glover Teixeira that was 42 mm -hmm. years old last year when he got the strap around his waist. So I don't know what it is, but for whatever reason in our sport, it feels like your prime is almost like early to mid-30s as a fighter. 
I do think that there's going to come a time where like some young phenom Bo you Nickel know, will I mean Bo's not even that young though. What is Bo? Bo is 26, 27? Like he's not yeah, I mean it's you're not right. old. You're right. He's not he's not 23. No, Bo is uh, 20 yeah, 20 27. 27. So yeah, I mean it's just it's it's a tough thing cuz you think about the the grind it takes to get there. How many fights you got against? So well, look, Raul is what he's done already has been very, very impressive. He's certainly, you know, to be on this kind of a stage already is super impressive to be that that on that side of a main card. But I just think it takes time. I think I think you got to get a bunch of variety of opponents, you know. And if they if they were to go throw him against top five guys, I think that would be silly. I think you're gonna just get him diced up. And he got beat up pretty good last time out. So to come back and get in the winning category as quick as he did, very impressive from the mental side of things. While we're talking about winners on Saturday night, you had on Jack Della Madalena. That was a great interview. Check it out on the podcast if you missed it. Split decision win over Kevin Holland. You agree with it? Because I've talked to a lot of different people, and it feels like it depends on where you had your money, if that should have even been a split decision. I, I just thought that he was crisper. You know, I just thought that, you know, he seemed to be just landing a lot of stuff. Um, and Kevin was just throwing a lot of stuff. You know, I, I just felt like, and I know in the interview, he said, like, I don't like being described as, you know, one of the best boxers in the UFC, but you could just see that he's just got the technical goods in the pocket there. And I think that's just what made the difference against Kevin who, you know, Kevin is a flawed fighter. He's a fun fighter. He talks a lot. Um, but, and look, we've seen, I don't want to put a cap on anybody because damn Sean Strickland's champion of the world, but I do think Touché. that he's got a, he's, he's got some holes that he's got to get on the right, the right path of stuff. But the one thing that's great about Kevin Holland, he's probably going to fight four times a year if he's healthy. So he's got plenty of time to improve things. He's not one of these guys that sticks around and only fights twice a year. Did Sean Strickland break the matrix? Because it's not just fighting, but it's whatever you do at your job. It's like. We've all seen this guy, and for years, everybody thought he was good and fun to watch and entertaining, but nobody was calling him a champion. Even, even when he got in the octagon and all he had to do was win a fight a couple of Saturday nights ago against Izzy, still nobody said that he had a chance. And now he's the champion. It kind of gives all of us hope, doesn't it? It does. He, is, uh, he, he gives a hope for us all, like a hero. He's our everyman. And we all know the power of the name Sean, Sean Strickland champion. Sean O'Malley champion, me, you, Brendan Tobin, Jake Nowaker here on Tapped Out. All right, let's talk about the main event last Saturday night. Alexa Grasso retained her belt with a split draw, which, by the way, you could have got like 50 to 1 at BetMGM if you bet a split draw. It's almost, it's almost worth looking at those long shots and going, all right, I got a couple of bucks left in my account. It could be a close fight. Why not? I assume you don't agree with the decision, especially the way the last round went down. I honestly, here's the thing that I think sucks for Alexa is I think there's an argument that she won the fight. It sucks that that's the way it went down. You know, I, I like, I think that it, most of the people on the broadcast, they were saying the broadcast, oh, going in, it could have been 2-2. And I think that she just did the flashier stuff in the fight. Valentina was, you know, hitting her probably more, but like she'd always have these moments, either reversing something or having the knockdown. So I almost wish that like it went down to where she got the split decision victory as opposed to what happened, which was an atrocity because that's not a 10-8 round. I mean, you can't argue that it's a 10-8 round. It's stupid. And so the way that she keeps her belt is stupid. I would have rather her just get the nod of a win and we could argue of, do you think that Valentina won three rounds or not? But the way that it happened just seems so grimy. Jake, what's your issue with Saturday night? I mean, BT pretty much said my issue. However, I've been saying all week, you know, this is a robbery. And people come back with, how is it a robbery? It was so close. Grasso could have won. It would not have been a robbery if Alexa Grasso took that fight. It would have just been a close fight. The fact that Mike Bell gave Shevchenko, excuse me, gave Grasso a 10-8 in the fifth solely robbed Shevchenko of the scorecards. Everybody I've talked to agrees that should have been 10-9 Grasso in the fifth, which means Shevchenko won on two scorecards. So, yeah, you, like BT you, said, it's just tough and ended that way. 
You know what the problem is, guys, is that Dana is in control. And tell me if you agree. Dana's in control of this this whole thing, essentially, right? His fighters, who they fight, the promotion, the matchmakers. It's all it's all his game, right? Except for the judges. Those are always whatever the commission of the state is. So he doesn't really have control over them. And anytime BT is asked about them, he just throws his hands up and goes, yeah, something needs to be done about it. I'd imagine that deep down he's probably, and I don't believe everything Dana says, but I bet he's actually pretty damn frustrated with it too. Like believes if he could somehow get his own guys and gals in there, which I don't know if I want that to happen. That would really screw with the sport also. But it's it's a problem for everybody, including the boss. Yeah, I, I just think that he's in a tough spot there because you think about what the battle was to get the sport legal. And so you do have to... You do have to have some relationships and abide by these state commissions. I think he wants to, he does, you know, we know Dana, he's very loyal. He wants to do right by the people in that regard. But I just think he definitely has gotten to the point where the UFC is so powerful, how he can't have influence on getting better people to do this job, how they decide who gets the best fights and things like that. That definitely, I think that needs something of a look because they're trying. I can't say they're not trying. Like they've gone, they can't seem to get a universal national or world rules. It has to go state by state. Um, if they could just get one unified rule for everybody and they could just be the UFC rules, that I think would help. But I mean, this one man was just so bad. I don't really know what the explanation for it was. It's almost like you're an official and you're ba- you're you're refing a basketball game and they don't have instant replay and you called a three a two and it would have been the game winning shot like it's like how did you not see it? it it's it's that blatant it is pretty ridiculous especially when you lay it out like that i i would think that it's a whole lot easier of a fix than we're making it out to be like just be better at your job Ultimately, it's one of, if not the most important thing in our sport because they decide, you know, who wins and loses. And everybody agrees that these people suck at their job. What are we doing, man? What are we doing? Talk about fighting once a week here on the radio. My eyes know fighting pretty well. You know it better than anybody I've ever talked to. What are we doing? You want to get a judging school with me? Is that a thing? Uh, they have it. It's not. I mean, no, I don't care enough about it like to do it. I'd rather almost <laughs> just yell about it for for content to be honest with you than I would uh, to go fix the problem and to be real about you man like look I go to a lot of regional fights and talk to a lot of local referees who are also then the referees on the big shows that come down here like they do a good job and a lot of these people are grinders and they really you know yeah they get a couple bucks it's a good part-time gig they get to go officiate some fights or they get to go judge some fights but you have to wonder sometimes there, there almost feels like we know who the best officials are. Like for whatever you want to say about Herb Dean or, uh, or, or whoever, what pick an official, there's sure. There's, yeah. There's, th- there's basically three officials. We give the main events to Herb Dean, Mark Goddard, big Dan Mergliata. That's basically it. Like it's three guys around the world who we give the biggest fights to. And for the most part, not that they're perfect because over all the fights they do, they'll make mistakes. And I just think with the the officials, like I can name, you know, Sal Diamata and a, a couple of these guys, but I just think that maybe we, instead of this rando pool, we got to just stick to the best, officiate the best, whoever has the best and does the best at this, put them out there and continue to put them out there. Um, and that's the way it's got to go. You know, like there's just always such weird stuff. Like remember the one, I can't remember the exact cards, maybe Jake remembers, but there was the guy who, officiate or judged a Bellator card and then flew across the country to judge a UFC card and he completely screwed it up. And it's like, what are we doing? Like, you know, like at that point, if he's out, he's out. You can only do one a weekend. You know, some of these things, when we get to these slip-ups, it just seems like the dumbest reasons as to why these results happen. And you're talking about monumental stuff. We're talking about the damn championship of the world. We're talking about Valentina Shevchenko regaining her belt, maybe, you know, getting back into the GOAT conversation. Now she's got to sit here and hope that Dana White will give her a trilogy. Seems like he will. That's great. But what if he didn't? What if he was bored with it, you know? What in the name of Adelaide Burr? He was he judged two days. He just a, a Bellator fight the same night as a UFC fight. Here's the thing, man. Like, 
and I have no criticism of the referees because, like you said, that's a really tough job. And for the most part, I actually think those guys and gals do a really, really good job. Every now and again, do they stop a fight too soon, end a fight too, whatever it is. Sure, it's, it's, that's a tough job. Let's be honest. Being an MMA judge is not a tough job. That's, that's not a difficult job. You're sitting down. It's weather controlled. You've got replay in front of you. You're sitting a foot from the action. You don't have to get it perfect. You either just have to really get it two out of three or three out of five. Like, it's it's pretty incredible how bad these judges are. I agree. It's it's uh, and it just feels like every year we get weirder, newer problems instead of closer to solutions. It's like if we all knew who the worst umpire was in baseball or referee in the NFL, and they were out there. Precisely. What if he was out there for every single game? You're like, all right, come oh, on. Oh, no. I'm over this. All right, Brendan Tobin, Sports Machine, Sean Levine. We tap out next. Appreciate you checking us out. BetQL Network, the Odyssey app on YouTube. It's tapped out. Step into the cage with Brendan Tobin in Are You Gonna Fight Me? I'm gonna fight your ass. Here on Tapped Out. That's right, fight me like a man. Only on the BetQL Network. You know the rules. I want a good, clean fight. When I tell you to break, I want you to step back out my command and break. And I go back to the corner and come out fighting at the bell. And welcome back into Tapped Out. We appreciate you checking us out. And I don't care if Sean O'Malley once called my co-host Brendan the fat guy on the left. I think he's in just fine shape, which is why I'm going to fight him right now. Segment's called You're Going to Fight Me. Here we go. Steve Miocic says that he's kind of surprised he's a 4-1 to underdog versus John Jones. When it comes to public money on that fight, I think it's going to be about 50-50. I know that's crazy to say because it's a John Jones fight, but if the number's going to go off at 4-1 to for Steve Miocic, I think you're going to get a lot of action on both sides. You're going to fight me? I, I don't know if the public is going to go with Stipe because I don't feel like Stipe has really ever kind of gotten the respect that he deserves from the public. Um, and just going up against John Jones, I just feel like there's a lot of people that are going to say, oh, this is John's like crowning night. Uh, so I do. And just because of his age, I do think that he is kind of getting written off. And I gotta be honest with you, man. Like I never bet against John Jones. I, never. But. Something about Stipe at that value, how good he is at heavyweight. The guy doesn't really have any weaknesses. Yeah, I, I just think there's just – I just think it's some things are just too pretty to let up, and Stipe being that big a dog is one of them. I'm kind of glad you said that. So let's go down that path. 
what if it happens? What if Stipe beats him? How are the fight goes? Stipe gets his hand raised at the end because we're all assuming that at least Stipe is going to retire after this fight. He's basically said that. John almost has hinted that he's going to beat Stipe and then retire. What if he loses to Stipe? Then what? It depends how it happens. I mean, if it's a really good fight, I could see them running it back because just of the payday. If it's that good a fight, oh, UFC would um, love that. Yeah, but if it's let's just say let's just say Stipe starches him or beats him in the first round, I I think you're talking about first of all, cement Stipe is the greatest heavyweight of all time. There's not really any more debate anymore. No fade or talk. No Fabricio Verdum talk. I mean, it's him. He's Kane gonna Velasquez. be the guy. Yeah, no Cain Velasquez. I think that would put it at rest just because you have that name on your man, so you're the first guy to actually beat him. Um that's 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 all-time stuff, which is what makes this fight so exciting. I can't see John Jones retiring after that. The greatest of all time, essentially undefeated, loses and then retires. It just it blows my mind just saying it here. Um, we talked John, which means we're talking Conor McGregor right around the corner. Uh, Connor was tweeting the other day about his second fight with Nate Diaz, and he was saying that it wasn't even close. There was a 10-8 round, all these different things. You're going to fight me if I say, and I rewatched it, just like 20 minutes ago, I think Nate won that fight too. I think, here's what I think happened. I think Nate won both fights. Obviously, he won the first one. He choked him out. And the second one was so close, I think the UFC kind of went wink, wink. Let's just give it to Connor, and then we can have a trilogy and do this whole thing over again. You're going to fight me if I say Nate won both fights? Um, Yeah, but like not passionately. Like, I, First of all, I haven't watched the fight in a very long time. I remember thinking on the night, I thought... I remember thinking Connor, I thought Connor did get the best of Nate that night. Uh, I was actually impressed with how Connor kind of came around at the end of that fight because I thought he was going to be done, done again in the middle of that fight. Looked like. Um, so, no, I mean, I think Connor did enough to get the nod. I just find it odd that this is like what he does. Like, he's like, he's like the old time band uh, at the fair, at the county fair. Like, you guys want to hear our hits? It's like, yeah, Connor. All right. What are we talking about? The Diaz fights again? Cool. Why are you fighting Michael Chandler? <laughs> yeah, I saw. You probably don't remember the band Silver Chair. Do you remember them? They had like one. It sounds big familiar. Hit. We were young, man. We were probably 12, 13, got the CD or whatever. And they were playing at the fair a couple of years ago. I was the only person that got excited for the whole thing. It does feel like that's where Connor is, where it's like, dude. I don't know who you think cares about, you know, what you have to say, especially when it comes to the Twitter X-verse these days. But he, he keeps doing his thing. Um, Sean O'Malley says that he wants to move up to featherweight at some point, but he put a big caveat on that. He said as soon as Alexander Volkanovsky is no longer there, I agree with him. I mean, it's fun to say I want to be champ champ. It's also cool to realize that you need to stay in your lane sometimes. What I'm telling you is O'Malley would get his ass kicked at any weight by Alexander Volkanovsky. So I was thinking this. Is there a chance that when Volkanovski, in fact, let me rephrase that. I think there is a chance that when Volkanovski retires a couple of years from now, he's a top five all-time fighter. You're going to fight me? Um, It's just getting harder and harder to deny him. I mean, you, you hear the respect that everybody kind of has for him. And I didn't know that Sean said that this week, but for Sean O'Malley, who's supposed to be kind of braggadocious and and think that, you know, he's the top dog now to kind of say, yeah, I'm maybe the most popular guy, but I'm not the best. Like Volk is the it. best. Is, he, he gets it. Uh, you know, I, you heard how Aljo acted after he lost to Sean. He's like, I got to re reassess myself. And it's just interesting. It's cool to see how far Volk has come from, you know, I think everybody kind of dogged him just because people thought that he lost to Max Holloway. I included in that didn't hate him for it, but I do think that he got some flack for it. And then for him to kind of just put all doubts to it with that trilogy fight um, was huge. And yeah, he's just looked like an absolute wrecking machine ever since. Is he the coolest short guy on earth right now? He's got to be right. I mean, representing for the bald and the short Alexander Volkanovsky, my guy, love that guy. He, also he's friend a, of the show, friend of the show, shark diver. Yes, he is a shark diver. Indeed. And so is, Right. And so was yes. JDM, and I was like, because I didn't get that vibe off of him. Like he seemed like a cool, a cool guy. Like ah, this guy doesn't go shark diving. He goes, yeah, been in there with the great whites in a cage. I'm like, of course, because Australia. I mean, you're in Miami. You've never gone shark diving. You never jumped in one of those cages before. With great whites? No. <laughs> 
I'm just asking, at any point in your life, have you jumped into one of those cages and had it thrown over into the water? No. No. I've gone like snorkeling in the in like around coral reefs. I've gone like and things like that. I've seen sharks, but not like not things that could eat me like I'm a croqueta, like a little appetizer. Yeah, okay. So you've been to the aquarium, is what you're telling us. Uh, very impressive. Bryce Mitchell. Now there's a guy who would wrestle a shark because I know some things that he's wrestled before. Um him and Dan Ige going at it on Saturday night. You're going to fight me if I say that's got fight of the night written all over it. Um, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like the main event's more likely to be fight of the night. Cause I do, I, I do think that Bryce, there's a part of me that thinks he should fight this smart and try and keep Dan Ige from getting those hands on him. I think that's probably his best path to victory. I think it's important for him to get back in the win column. You know, especially just with all the stuff that seems like it's going on. Like, he's got some ex-girlfriend drama. Did he try and steal a dog? Like, try to steal a dog back or something like that? I think I saw on social media. Like, I don't know, man. I love Bryce. You know, he he's one of the, he's He's probably top three guest all time on the show. For sure. Um, but I think he needs to kind of almost make it boring to, to solidify his victory. He said we're going to see something on Saturday night. That has never happened in the octagon before between him and Danny Ige. And he said that it's going to be a first for both and for all of us as fans. What do you think that means? Like, we brought him on the show. We talked about wrestling as bull. We talked about eating ants. When Danny, or when he tells us that something, Bryce Mitchell, again, odd duck, says that something's going to happen in the octagon that never has before. So you have to be watching on Saturday night. What are we talking about? I think he's going to put ants on his glove and lick him, dude. That'd be so sick. Right, right be, there when Bruce Buffer be, introduces him. BJ Penn style instead of glove ants. I actually kind of like it. Um, all right, let's talk a little football. We have some time. Aaron Rodgers out. You're going to fight me if I say the Jets have no chance in the playoffs now. Zero. No, nah, I'm not going to fight you. You see Zach Wilson, he stinks. Come on, dude. He's Terrible. Unbelievable. Dude, the Wilsons between Russell and Zach are really putting a bad name on the last name when it comes to NFL quarterbacks. Goodness gracious. I'd rather get, uh, come on, Sean, Owen Wilson out there at quarterback. Boom, ching. Um, Bengals are 0-2. You're going to fight me if I say, I think they missed the playoffs. I'm not going to fight you just because I think that the Ravens are really good. I think that division was a little bit overrated coming into the season just because I think there were a lot of potential flaws of the good teams namely with the Browns I think Deshaun Watson stinks um and now they lost Nick Chubb I don't think Kareem Hunt's gonna make up for that I still think that the Steelers you gotta always respect them because they're the Steelers they're just annoyingly gonna stick around the entire season but yeah I mean you you look at Joe Boudreaux with his little Theragun on the sidelines and Jamar Chase <laughs> is whining about getting deep balls. Like, yeah, there's a lot of concerns that they got going on for sure. Speaking of the Browns, and I thought that the Deshaun Watson contract was the worst in the history of professional sports before the ink dried, and I'm on record saying that, and that's before he was terrible when we saw him on the field last year and terrible for the first couple of weeks this year with all the off-field issues. What was Cleveland thinking, man? Like, how did the Browns – well, I guess I answer my own question. It's the worst organization probably in professional sports <laughs> yeah. in a lifetime. But to think we're going to give this guy the biggest guaranteed contract in the history of sports. We're going to trade away multiple draft picks, right? He's going to get guaranteed money at the quarterback position with all the off-field stuff. It's kind of their fault. I mean, you're going to fight me if I say Baker Mayfield is a better quarterback than Deshaun Watson? Um, I'm serious. I guess I can't fight you on that right now. Baker's looked pretty decent. I don't know if he's going to end the season better because, you know, he could still go Baker Mayfield and just implode. But I just, I, I just think that being away from the game that long, having all of that, you know, having all of the off field issues hang over you, you know, when you had this clean cut image, you know, years ago and it's all just gone now. Um, I just think that's going to be too hard for the guy to overcome. They owe him still $200 million-plus, and he's going to be their quarterback for the next four or five years. I mentioned Russell Wilson. These teams have put themselves into such a bind where you you give a guy the bag, and he's your guy for the next few years, and he sucks. Sorry. You got to deal with it. Um, Dallas Cowboys, speaking of giving their quarterback the bag, that's been the question, seems like, every offseason in the case of Dak Prescott. You're going to fight me if I say – 
They're the second best team in the NFL behind the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, you meant the when you said you the second best behind the Miami Dolphins. No, no, I, I'm sorry, I did not misspeak there. I don't know if you heard. You sure, speakers broke up or something. I'm. I think they. You did. don't really think the Dolphins are the did second. Did you watch that Chiefs game? It really like you guys. I mean, you guys are lucky. You took out the Jaguars. We that was issues. a really, really, really bad game. Like a what like, it though? Patrick Mahomes just threw the ball to his left tackle. I watched that game. I was like, it was there was like four straight turnovers by each team. It was incredibly embarrassing. I'm sorry, Jake. Did you have something to say about our uh, opinion of the best teams in the NFL? Yeah, just did you did you forget about the Eagles, or were you just trying to get me in here? Because you can't what actually world, think boys. that they're not the best. What a world where we can right? actually? Because let's 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 be honest. The last couple of years, it's been fun getting into these arguments. Hey, our team's better than yours, Sean. You got Patrick, but the Chiefs ultimately were better than Philly last year. We saw it, and better than Miami last. We've kind of gotten to a point where we could have a real conversation about this, like. Are the three of us in this box right here fans of the three best teams in the NFL right now? Philly, Miami, Kansas City? Or am I just being a jerk? Dallas is pretty damn close. We got to give them a little bit of love, Jake. I know that's a division. Dude, they're good. What are you talking about? Dallas is good. Dallas is a scary defense. Micah Parsons uh, makes makes me very terrified. But I will say those two New York teams have a lot of issues. All right. I think we have three good teams, man. I think we're three good NFL teams for sure. We'll, we'll debate more football a little bit later on in the show. Um, Your quarterbacks aren't doing one. jiu-jitsu. Touche. Um, you're going to fight me if I'm I say I'm doing jiu-jitsu. Alabama. <laughs> you're going to fight me if I say Alabama and Nick Saban, at least Nick Saban, never going to win another national championship. <laughs> I mean, listen, eventually your deal with the devil has to run out. Like, somebody else has to sell the <laughs> devil a fresh soul. Like... Yeah, God, right. I hope so. I, I'm pretty sure that's the case. And how old is dude? He's got to be. He looks good, but Nick Saban, I feel like, has got to be 70. Give me over under here. I'll give you over over to 72. Uh, how old is he? He's 71. 71. Yeah. All right. Well, he's 71. Well but do you know? Have you noticed? Like, I, I've seen him. I saw him recently. I think it was. Who do we have on the studio? I think he goes on McAfee every week. Do you notice how weird his filter is? Like, they almost make him look like he has one of those, like, Instagram youth filters to try and make him look younger. No, like, I don't, if you ever see it around social media or whatever, take a look, take a gander. Like, something's going on with that Nick Saban camera. I'm going to take a little commercial break here and dive into what you're talking about. Are you telling me Nick Saban maybe is a little bit older than he actually appears? I got to see what you're doing. That's Brendan Tobin. I'm the sports machine, Sean Levine. Coming up next, we talk a little bit more fighting. Appreciate you checking us out. It's Tapped Out.
We're back with more Tapped Out with Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine on the BetQL Network. All right, let's tap out here on the show. Jake Noaker, Brendan Tobin, just me, the sports machine, Sean Levine, and you. Let's make some money together. We've got fights. UFC 79 on Saturday night. The main event, boys, Rafael Faziv taking on Matisse Gamrot. Jake, why don't you take this one first? Because of the three of us, boys, you're the only guy that actually owns a Faziv shirt. You're going to pay the minus 160 at BetMGM. You can get Gamrot, the underdog, at plus 130. Now I'm I'm paying I'm paying for Fiziev for sure. No heart insurance. We're going uh, Rafael to win. I, I like him in the matchup. I think he's been more active than uh, Gamrot. Gamrot tends to fade. He tends to weather as the fights go on. If Gamrot can wrestle Fiziev for 15 minutes straight, sure he stands a chance. But I don't think he's gonna be able to bring Fiziev down. I don't think he's gonna be able to outlast the huge heavy Muay Thai strikes from Fiziev. And Fiziev's gotten great experience, like going all three rounds against Gaethje. That's going to go a long way. So, yeah, minus 160, feed me that money line. BT, when you saw that fight was announced, you probably got excited like me because I think these guys kind of mirror each other, Gamrot and Rafael Fazif. Are you surprised that you can get Gamrot at plus 130? Muted. No, I don't think that. I think just because Fazif has been – on the the mainstream a little bit more with his last couple fights he had the main eventer where he had to go five rounds the fight against Gaethje so I just think that notoriety is is always going to get you and I do think that people think Fazeev is probably closer to title contention um you know than Gamrot and and I gotta agree with them like look there's no shame in losing to Justin Gaethje went the distance with him Gaethje looks like he's at the top of his game right now um so I, I do think that's going to go a long way in this matchup. So I, I like Rafael. Wow, you guys are both Team Fazeev, which means I got to be the guy that's on Team Gamrat. That guy's an absolute animal. You give me underdog money on Matisse Gamrat. I don't care if he's fighting a bear. I'll take the plus 130. All right, friend of the show, Brendan, Bryce Mitchell, the anteater himself. He should change his nickname. Ah, Thug Nasty's pretty good, but the anteater, <laughs> that'd be pretty good too. Takes on 50K Dan Ige. You can get Ige at plus 175. Again, Bryce Mitchell at minus 225. Let's be honest. We love the guy, but he looked terrible last time out. He did. Um, it's just a question of was that, you know, Tapora being that good? And, and we, you know, we remember in the lead up to that talking to him, like he wasn't thrilled about taking the matchup. He said, I kind of got to. I'm not, I don't have it like that. Um, you know, Danny Gay, I, I definitely think he's got some style to go get him. This feels like a, a clash of, of styles. See if he gets the grappling in it. I think that, you know, he can get it. But man, Danny Gay's been in there with everybody. He knows, he's seen it all, he's done it all. And yeah, with Bryce, I am a little bit worried about like, how is this guy handling fame it seems like and, and just all this stuff on the fun seems like there's a lot of drama on the farm in arkansas a lot more than i thought there would be i thought that he'd just be there with you know twister the bull i didn't know that he'd have you know lady <laughs> drama going on in arkansas so i don't know i think ultimately um i like the value in Ige in this one i think that's a little bit too much of a price to pay for uh for bryce and you know 50k has just seen it all so i'm gonna go with him to get the win in this one well, you think us Midwest folk just have it super easy? Just just chilling on the farm all day? Is that all we do out here in the flyover states? I don't know. I don't know what you guys do. I just figured, you know, he'd be more worried about like a cattle auction than, you know, tanking some ladies' tattoo parlors, uh, Yelp rating. I'm telling you, we got issues. Enjoy your beaches out there in Miami. Jake, how you see Bryce Mitchell, Dan Ige going down? Again, I'm with BT, man. I, I'm not paying minus 200 for Bryce Mitchell against any ranked fighter right now. I just he's on a he's on a downspout, right? The streak he's on is not looking good. The way he looked against Taporia, it's not even just that he lost and he wasn't the better man. He folded. He folded in the fight. And coming off the shoulder injury with uh, against uh, most far where he had to pull out the lady tr trouble he's dealing with. I don't like the uh, the variables going in. So if you're gonna give me Ige almost two to one. Yeah, you, you got to hit it. He's a very active guy, very durable. He's seen it all. I was going to say all those things before you guys did, so now I'm going to change my mind. Like, Dan Ige at plus 175 Ooh. looks pretty tasty. Styles make fights. I feel like Ige is a terrible matchup for Bryce Mitchell if he can keep that jab at distance. But Bryce Mitchell, man, that's thug nasty. That's our guy. 
And let's not pretend like he's looked bad for a really long time or anything. He looked terrible in the Taporia fight. He came on the show and said, as BT pointed out, that he just kind of took the fight. He had to take the fight. Now, maybe it was an excuse afterwards. He said he wasn't feeling well. BT, you asked the question, was that more Taporia being great or Bryce Mitchell maybe being a little bit overrated? I think Taporia is that good. Like, I think Taporia is going to be champion one day. He might be. Uh, I, I don't disagree with that, but I think this is more me seeing the value in Dan Ige just because sure. he's just been around, man. It's always tough. Like, you, you write these guys off, and you're always wondering, like, is Bryce ready for uh, a guy like that when he just got pieced up by almost uh, the, the hot contender? So this is a good measuring stick for him. I, I think all these questions we have of Bryce Mitchell are fair. Um, and I think that he can answer all of them. If he goes in and he beats Dan Ige, I think that's going to do wonders for him. I think that's going to kind of revitalize where his career is at right now because, yeah, I do agree with Jake. It wasn't a very competitive performance, and I think that's probably what has us all disappointed. It's not that he just lost to Taporia, but, to, but to, uh, Taporia dealt with him very easily. You know, Bryce says that on Saturday night in his fight versus Dan Ige, we're going to see something inside the octagon from both guys that have never been seen. So I know this much. I'll be watching. Uh, the Karate Hottie is back in the octagon on Saturday night at UFC 79. You can get Michelle Waterson at plus 250, taking on Marina Rodriguez at minus 300. Jake, you're making a face. I'll go to you first. Which way are you betting this one? Yeah, I'm not betting this one, but I'm definitely not touching Michelle Waterson ever again in her MMA career. I'm, it's just over. You know, sometimes <laughs> when a fighter goes, it's over. It's time. Enough of it. It's like a Holly Holm main event, man. We've seen enough. No more. So, yeah, Marina Rodriguez takes that one all day. All right. Well, how do you really feel? BT, are you on the side of uh, Rodriguez as well? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I'm kind of with you. Like, it's weird how much Jake and I are in lockstep uh, tonight, but it's like. Make me a little uncomfortable, she, really. I know. Yeah, but she's lost. Dude, she's lost five out of six. Like, she's not very good. I like Michelle Waterson. Like I love the dance-offs and you know, she does the cool kicks, but she doesn't win. And that's probably why she's <laughs> as big a dog as that's, why, that's probably why she does as big a dog as she is. But I don't know. You know, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not throwing my money on her. No, I get it. If you're betting actual, you know, hard earned money, real stuff, you don't like to put it on the, um, Dare I say Donald Cerrone at the end of her career the same way? Like, fun to watch, but it's pretty obviously here. Now watch, she's going to go out there and knock her out at like 7-1 to one odds. Muhammad Usman really has a chance at a knockout. He's favored to win his fight versus Jake Collier at plus 155. Who are you taking in this one, Jake? I don't like Jake, I'll tell you that. I like Mo Usman, minus 150. The, the Usman hype, the Usman name, it's real. It does things for you in fights, and they keep feeding Mo people they think or know he can beat. Jake Collier, man, he used to he was, he was streaking for a while there, but he's been getting tanked on the past couple fights, so I think Moe's going to either catch him with a big shot or just wrestle him against the cage for 15 minutes. But yeah, minus 150, give it to me. I think Mo looks scarier than Kamaru. Who's winning this fight, BT? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Usman to get this one done. I also have a, a – anytime I see a guy regionally, like I always uh, root for him. So if I see him at like Titan FC, I'm going to be like, ah, I'm going to follow him. And so uh, I'm going to go with uh, Mo Usman getting this one done. Sorry, Jake Collier. My favorite regional fighter that I ever saw fight, and now I'm kind of following his career – it's tough to say. Probably uh, give me, give me, give me Onama. I saw Onama win a fight in Kansas City in front of like fifty people, and the next thing you know, he's in the UFC having fight of the night. Jake, do you have a favorite uh, regional fighter out there in Philly? I know you cover all these guys. Yeah, dude, Cade Sherry is my uh, my bread and butter, and I got a few. They're not in the UFC yet, but I promise you, next contender series next year, Luke yeah. Fernandez, Eric Nolan. Oh, I'm going to forget people, so I'm just probably going to stop. But Dante Rivera, BJJ, and uh, Team Taino MMA, love those gyms. They got a bunch of Cage Fury guys that are really, really good. Grant Dawson, for me, is another one. I saw that guy fight in front of 15 people one time, like in a little warehouse. And next thing you know, he's turned into a real deal UFC fighter. All right, last one, guys. Who are we picking in the Andre Fialo? Tim Means. The Dirty Bird is back at plus 145 money. You can get Andre Fialo at minus 175. Jake, take it first. 
I think on paper, yeah, all Fialo, right? But Fialo's been a, a, a piece of uh, a piece of argument on this show. We we seem to always disagree. I remember the Jake Matthews fight. We disagreed. I don't remember who he recently fought, but we were talking about that too. I like the underdog Tim Means, not because I think Tim Means is great. I think he's past his prime. I think everybody knows that. But Fialo just makes mistakes, and making mistakes against a fighter like Tim Means, that's how he gets his wins. So. Yeah, I'll take the underdog odds here. I don't. I don't think Fialo. I don't think his fight IQ is there. Well, Jake said uh, it. BT, you uh, go with the dirty bird. Yeah, and then after this, Jake and I are gonna go on a, do a three-legged race. Uh, yeah, Enjoy I just that. That, just go on a date. Yeah, Andre Fialo is. Uh, he's he's not only gets knocked out, he gets knocked out with wild knockouts too. Um, so I, I, him as a favorite, no thanks. Aren't you too cute? I'll chaperone that, by the way, if I have to. And finally, I, I tend to agree with you guys, but it took us the better part of an hour. Thank you to both of you guys. That is Brendan Tobin. That is Jake Noaker. To our guest from the New York Post, he is Eric Richter. And to you for checking us out on the Odyssey app, on YouTube, on BetQL. However you got us, we'll be back next week. It's tapped out. Go, birds.